In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was morning, and there was evening the first day. Father God, as we consider you as the creator, and as we consider the creation story, Father God, I pray that you would help us to do that in the context of the greater story of the hero. And Father, as we embark on this journey of discovering the hero, I pray that we would begin where you started with creation. And God, may we take time enough to consider the canvas in which you have placed us. Help us, Father, to pause for a moment and ask how it got here, how we got here. Help us to consider that without a creator, there would be no creation. Without a creator, without a creator there would be no morning and evening, no sun, moon, or stars, no beach or sand, no forest, trees, or fields, no birds and no fish. Without a creator, we would not exist. And the very act of bringing something from nothing and doing that, God, you displayed your power. You displayed your creativity. You displayed your splendor, your majesty. May we consider, as we consider the original paradise in which you created, may we be ever aware that it was created for your glory and you created it for our pleasure. And may we steward it as such. Holy Spirit, be with us now over these next few minutes together as we begin the journey of looking at the hero, the one who came to save. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we consider that story, as we consider the beginning of time, verse 2 of Genesis 1 says that the earth was without form and void. There's a Latin phrase, ex nihilo, Ex nihilo literally means from nothing. You see, God created something from nothing. Can you imagine? There was nothing. There was nothing in existence. And he spoke, and his very words brought into existence creation. It's really amazing to think about. It boggles the mind. It's very difficult for us to even understand. Ex nihilo, from nothing, God created everything, the beauty that it surrounds us. And he painted like a painter on a canvas, the most beautiful creation we've ever seen. It was from God, and it came from nothing. You remember in high school or maybe junior high, the teacher would give you a piece of paper 
and you'd get a pen, and you'd have to write a creative essay. I know those words, just for some of you, they're exhausting. I, I realize that. I'm one of them. I mean, there's creatives and there's non-creatives. I fall into the non-creative store uh, category with maybe some of you. For some of you, a piece of paper and a pen, that's exhilarating. Like, wow, I get to create something from nothing? That's what God did. He had this blank canvas and he created. But you know, when we write a story, when we create, there's something that we begin with, Right? There's our experience, our story, our knowledge, our past. There's the pen and the paper. We start with something. God started with nothing. And it's the beginning of the story of the hero. Because in creating something from nothing, God just in that, in the ex nihilo, he displayed his power and his majesty, and his sovereignty, and his goodness, and his limitless creativity. He's such a good God, and we must begin at the beginning. We must begin with the creation story. I want us this morning to consider the majesty of what God created, and the canvas in which he's placed each one of us. It's where the story of our hero begins. You see, we, humanity, we and God are the two main characters in the story that we're going to be talking about over these few weeks together. But we can't miss the background. We can't get so consumed with what's in the foreground that we miss the beauty that God has placed around us, that creation that he spun into existence. We don't often enough go back to the beginning and consider what God did. But when we do, we must consider it because it speaks of God's glory. It speaks of who he is as creator God, and we must start with creation. But why is creation such an important part of the hero story? That's the question I want to answer this morning. If you have your notes, you can take a look at your notes, and you'll see them here on the screen this morning. Why is creation such an important part of the hero story? Why couldn't we have just skipped to the end? I want to explain a little bit about that this morning. First of all, in your notes, creation displays God's glory, his limitless creativity, and his perfection. I think because we just generally as as mankind, humanity, um, because we're prone to maybe ignore, um, neglect, abuse, and take advantage of creation, kind of allowing life to go on without considering it, I think that sometimes um, it causes us uh, to take for granted all that God did in creation. Well, creation displays God's glory. The very essence of, of who he is is displayed by what we see around us. He spun creation into place, and in doing so, he created, please don't miss this, he created a perfect environment at first, for mankind to live in. Look at what he did on the third day of creation in Genesis 1, verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. He called those seas. And God saw that it was what? Good. God, the almighty creator, looked at his creation, the beginning of it, and said, that's good. That's good. It must be good for that kind of God to say that it's good. 
So on the third day, he created dry land and oceans. Both are essential for life to exist on earth. But it was just by his breath, just by his speech, that this was spun into existence. Like a painter with a canvas. And so seas and land and oceans came into existence all for God's glory. But it didn't stop on the third day. He didn't stop there on the third day. He went on to create plants and seeds and vegetation and fruit. Look at verses 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind on, and on earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit according to its own kind. And God saw that it was, say it again with me, good. He saw that it was good. Have you ever taken a bite out of an apple, like a really, I mean, a fresh, like really ready-to-eat apple? It just, that crunch, oh, that first bite is just so great. In our house, we all like peanut butter with our apples. But we take a bite of that apple, that first bite, and it just, uh, it's so juicy, and, and it's, it's usually sweet, you know, unless you went to the wrong grocery store, but it's usually sweet, and you got a great apple, um, and, and we take that first bite. But consider just a moment, just the apple, consider just an apple. It's so intricate. It, it has seeds to produce more apples, doesn't it? It, it has a core to protect the seeds, we bite into the apple and we, we get to the main part of the apple which provides us nutrients and it provides us pleasure and enjoyment because it's filled with natural sweetness, as Cody would say. And so we bite into that apple and then there's the skin, there's a skin that surrounds it that for a while protects it from the elements. It keeps it from rotting, it keeps it pure and it's protected. And we bite into that apple and realize that the stem of the apple once provided vitamins and minerals that the tree, the apple tree, took from the ground and brought up into the apple to create what it is. Uh, that's, that's incredible when you think about the fact that God created that. Listen, God created that from nothing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that remarkable? That God created that apple from nothing. It's a demonstration of his limitless creativity. God is such a good God. But then we come to the fourth day, and God said, in verse 14, we read, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be uh, for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Verse 16, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day. That's the what? All right, you guys are following me. Great. And the lesser light to rule the night, and that was the moon. All right, and the stars. By the way, I want to pause here and just say that when they determined that there should be daylight savings, they did not ask a pastor. I'm just saying. God gave us plenty of light, and we should have kept it the way it is. Am I right? Verse 17, and God set them into the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. This God created the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and all the galaxies and everything that we see. I went out last night to take my dog for his nightly walk and I looked up 
and it was a clear, crisp night, and you could see thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. I grew up in the city. We didn't see that in Atlanta. We saw smog. God's creation is beautiful, and it displays his glory. And then on the fifth day, he created sea creatures and flying creatures. Look at verse 20 and 21. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Some of you who are fishermen are like, yeah, I want to see some of those guys out there. And let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which warm waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw once again that it was what? Good. It was good. My parents um, are bird watchers. Are any of you bird watchers in here? Okay, quite a few of you bird watchers. Um, I got to admit, when I was in high school and maybe a little after high school, I used to kind of make fun of my parents for watching birds. They had several bird books and several binoculars around the house. Um, But I got to tell you, the other day I saw one of those woodpeckers, you know those giant woodpeckers that like tear the cedar off of, our, uh, off of our houses? Do you know what I'm talking about? One of those big ones that wakes you up in the morning, early in the morning, knocking on your cedar on your house. Um, I was watching one of those. Those are they're beautiful, aren't they? I mean, I'm, I'm just becoming what I used to make fun of with my parents. I'm watching this bird. But you know, as I'm watching it, it's got black and red and white and it's so incredibly distinct. There's not one part of the white that blends in with the red. There's not one part of the black that blends in with the white. It's perfectly distinct. God created that, create, uh, that creature in his sovereignty and in his beauty with his limitless creativity. And it's beautiful. And it displays his glory. And then finally on the sixth day, he created the animals and man Verse 24 in chapter 1, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their own kind, livestock and creeping things. Ooh, the creeping things. Yes, we have a few of those in South Carolina, don't we? And the beasts uh, beast of the earth according to their kinds. Y'all got real nervous when I said creeping things. I can just tell. And the creeping things and the beasts uh, on the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds. And God saw that it was what? Good. And God created all of those animals, all of those things that creep on the earth, the herds, the cattle, everything. And he saw it was good. But you know what he did in in verse 31? Take a look at this. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He goes on to say that it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You know, we don't stop long enough in our busy lives. And I get it. Our life is just as busy. We have two kids. We've got soccer and ballet and work and school. And we've got the whole bit. We're just as busy. But, you know, we don't stop long enough to take a look around. And what a great place. What a great habitat for us to look around here on Hilton Head Island. And we still don't pause and look around. The psalmist, he, um, he paused And he looked around and he wrote these words in Psalm 19, verse 1. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. I don't know about you. I love that verse because it is so true. 
It is so true. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now, what I want you to do right now is I want you to put down whatever's in your hand, because we're going to stop, and we're going to experience, just for a minute, just for a minute, God's beautiful creation. And as you experience this, I want you to think about these words. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. Check this out. The psalmist was right, wasn't he? The psalmist was right. The waves, the ocean, that wind, it declares his glory. That's what creation was made for. It was made to declare the greatness and the glory of who God is. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. Speaking of handiwork, he created something else, didn't he? He created you and me, mankind. But I want you to capture this. It's in your notes. We were created in the image of God. We, you and I, we were created in God's image. He didn't just make the land and the earth and the skies and the seas and the animals that walked on the earth or creeps on the earth and the birds in the sky. He didn't just make that, but he gave us, he made us, and he made us humanity. He made us as humans. He made us a little bit different. We have a mind that excels. We have, uh, uh, we have uh, a will. We have emotion. We, each one of us, have a soul. And he created us in his image. Check out Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We all have self-image problems, don't we? We all have uh, times when we think or someone has told us that we're too much one way and not enough another way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Co Cody is taking our middle schoolers on a retreat next weekend, and he's specifically talking about uh, image, body image. <laughs> Cody's taking our middle schoolers on a retreat and talking about body image. Pray for Pastor Cody, okay? I'm just saying. But middle schoolers who are in here, high schoolers, college age, singles, we all deal with image problems, don't we? 
It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how, what stage of life you're in. If we don't understand this point, if we don't understand that we were created in the image of God, if we don't understand that, if we don't get that, then we will believe that we are too short. <laughs> we are too tall. <laughs> we have the wrong color hair. We have the wrong color eyes. We have the wrong color skin. We're too this, we're too that. We're not muscular enough. We're shaped wrong. We will buy into it if we don't believe that we were created in God's image. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, if somebody has ever told you differently, or if they ever do, and if you're a young person in here, they will, stand strong on this promise that you were created in God's image. And you don't ever need to think that you're less than or too much of something or not enough of something else because you were created in the image of the almighty God who created heaven and earth. And we should stand strong on that verse. We should stand strong on that principle that when he created mankind, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are, no matter what your personality is, that you are a child of God and you are created in his image. And so God created man, he created animals, he created the stars and the sky, and all of this speaks to his glory. It speaks to his limitless creativity. Thirdly, take a look at your notes. Creation provided everything humanity needed for pleasure and enjoyment. Creation provided everything that humanity needed for pleasure and enjoyment. You know, there really isn't anything that man can create that's better than God created without side effects. Am I right? There's nothing that God created that's better than what we've drummed up with that doesn't have some kind of negative side effects. What he created was what we needed. He was God. He knew exactly what we needed. We needed food and water to sustain ourselves. It's the first point under number three. He created food and water, not just to have food and water, but to sustain us, to sustain the earth. Take a look at Genesis 2. We're moving on from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 9 and 10. Out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We'll get to that next week. A river flowed out of Eden to water the gardens, and there it divided and became four rivers. And then look what God told humanity to do in verse 16. He says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden. God gave liberally for man to eat and for us to be able to sustain ourselves. Secondly, marriage for mutual help, companionship, and enjoyment. Think about Adam for a moment as God instructed him to go name all these animals every time in Genesis 1 and 2 when it talks about all the different animals and birds and fish and that kind of thing that were made. There was always multiple. There was always the plural. Okay, Adam is by himself. And God's asked him to name all these animals and that sort of thing. I, was, I wonder if he was wondering, okay, when am I going to have the other person? Well, God gave him that other person. Take a look at Genesis 2, 21 and 22. So the Lord, caused, uh, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. 
And the rib that God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to man. God may have rested on the seventh day, but he wasn't done creating, was he? He knew that man needed a companion and he created woman. And that, that's the first couple, that's the first marriage uh, indication that we have in the Bible. Um, and, and, and there in this perfection of Eden, Adam and Eve had communion with God. Next, a perfect environment without shame. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good, doesn't it? A place without shame. We all have different fears, don't we? We all have different fears. My greatest fear is being embarrassed in front of people. My wife of um, nearly 18 years, she knows that. And in 18 years of being married, she's never embarrassed me because she knows it's one of my greatest fears. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. We all have fears. Some of our fears have to do with shame. In Eden, there was no shame. There was nothing to be ashamed about. Look at Genesis 2.25. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not what? Ashamed. There was no shame. That's what God intended for creation to be a place where there would be no shame. Take a look at the last one here, life without death. Do you realize that death is not mentioned until Genesis 2.17? There's no indication of death, and 2.17 gives us the indication that if man had lived by God's rules in the Garden of Eden, that death would not have come. Take a look at it. He says, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. You see, God created this beautiful creation that speaks of his glory, but he did it because he wanted it for not just for his glory, but he wanted it for our pleasure and our enjoyment. And so that is the creation story. Now, point number four in your notes, creation was given to man to oversee and manage Creation was given to man to oversee and manage. You see, in the narrative, in the story of God and us, we have responsibility. And it comes right out of the gates in Genesis 1. Take a look at what God says in Genesis 1, 27 through 30. So God created man in his own image. We already read that. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created him. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, I just want to stop right there. I think most of you know what we're talking about when it says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and that's a whole other sermon series for another time, okay? So we're not going to go into depth there, but look at the next word that he says. He says, and subdue it, subdue the earth. The Hebrew word for subdue means to bring under control by force, to bring under control by force. Now, to me, when I read that and when I hear that, the force thing sounds kind of contradictory. But, you know, if left unattended to, the earth would grow out of control. I, I grew up in Atlanta, and in Atlanta we have this thing called kudzu, okay? Do any of you know about kudzu? Do you know at its best, kudzu can grow seven feet a week? Seven feet a week is a plant, and it can grow seven feet a week. And somebody in the 1800s thought it would be a good idea to show it in Philadelphia at a botanical showing, and they brought it over from Japan, and it has taken over the South, hasn't it? God's creation would be out of control without mankind. It would spin out of control. Bamboo, the bamboo tree. Huh. We don't have this type of bamboo tree in our climate, but in some places, bamboo trees grow at a rate of 39 inches every day. Isn't that incredible? That's a lot of bamboo flooring. 
Consider the common house fly. Those pesky little bugs we chase around with fly swatters um, in the summer especially. If just one male and one female were let loose in your house to uh, procreate, and assuming that all of their offspring lived to adulthood in just four months, listen to this, in just four months, they would produce 191 quintillion flies. Isn't that incredible? Man, that's a horror movie. <laughs> that's 191 with 18 zeros on the end of it. That's how many flies you would have in your house. You're blessed by coming to church today, I can tell. <laughs> Creation needs humanity to subdue it. If you have a fly swatter in your house, don't feel bad, okay? I'm just saying. But you know, God asks us to do it with gentleness and respect, doesn't he? The next word that he uses in there is dominion. We're supposed to have dominion. You know what that means? That means we rule over. That means we rule over. That means that we oversee. That means that we steward, as we learned in January, what we've been given. And that we maximize the benefits of. And so God asks us to rule over and maximize the benefits of creation. Let's keep on going. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I've given you every plant and yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the field, a uh, beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. Look at Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it. And what? Keep it. That's our responsibility. We are supposed to work and keep God's creation. You know, when we do that, you know what we do? When we steward his creation well, when we're good stewards of the environment, you know what we do? We give glory to God. I mean, we need to be environmentalists. I realize that that's not popular in the church culture. I get that, and I get all the politics surrounding it. But you know, we ought to be leading the way in our own lives. We ought to be leading the way. We ought to be the torchbearers for environmentalism. You know why? Because when we do what God asks us to do, to keep it and to work it, oh, man, we're giving glory to God when we do that. We're giving glory to him. And that brings us to our bottom line. God created the world for his glory and our pleasure. He created the world for his glory and for our pleasure. And therein lies the potential for dilemma. He created the world for his glory and our pleasure. Would man choose to live a life serving self? Or would man choose to live a life serving the creator by taking care of the creation? Do we personally, do you personally, do I personally live our lives with this, with this paradise as the backdrop, the backdrop of creation? Or do we squander and ignore and look past and destroy the habitat that God gave us? When we do, we're compelled to realize that we also squander our relationship with him. We ignore the fact that he was a creator. It's where the story of God and man began. I want you to hear me this morning. We don't worship the creation. In fact, the Bible speaks specifically not to do that. But you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to look at creation. We're supposed to stop 
and observe and see all that God did. And in doing so, we worship the creator, the one who created such a beautiful, beautiful place for us to live. So there it is, a perfect place, the Garden of Eden, perfection all around. It was God's intent to create it that way. And it was the hand of the creator who brought something so beautiful into nothing. Bereseth bera Elohim. In the beginning, God. That's the Hebrew word. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, the word that the writer uses here for God is Elohim. And Elohim is the plural for God. You see, in the very beginning, at the very beginning of creation, at the very start of the God-man narrative, there's God, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. The hero was right there from the beginning. As God put the stars into space, created the land that we walk on, the air we breathe, there was the hero. The story of man is quite exciting. There's all kind of twists and turns. The man-God relationship, good versus evil, love and loss, life and death. And it all began in the beginning, and it was all very, very good. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this beautiful creation around us. And God, as we, uh, as we consider the story of us and you, of you and us, of what we're supposed to do with life itself as we consider the beginning of the story. Um, Father God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts, help us to be aware of this beautiful creation around us that you put into place. Help us to be aware of the habitat in which we live, the canvas on which you have our lives. And God, I pray that we would not just look in the foreground, that we would look to the background. And as we do, I pray that we would give you glory, that we would worship you, that we wouldn't worship the creation, but that we would steward it and take care of it and work it. And Father God, just convict us those who are in here today who are Christ followers, I pray that you would convict us to do a better job in our own personal lives in dealing with your beautiful creation. Help us to steward it well. But God, that's not the main point of today. The main point of today is that we would realize that you, your desire was to create a place for mankind to live to create a paradise, to create this wonderful environment where you walked with Adam and Eve throughout the day. And God, I pray that we would be ever aware that your desire for us is good. That's why you created us in your image. And Father God, I pray for those who are in here today and they're dealing with self-image issues from six years old to, to 80 years old. God, I pray that you would help them be with them in the strong name of Jesus. And I pray that they would resolve that, that they would realize that they are unique, that they are special, that they are absolutely designed by the designer and created in your image. Set people free today from the bondage of poor self-image. God, I pray that you would do a work in those folks' lives today. God, as we tell this story over these next few weeks, I pray that you would bring many people here, some who may be in here today who don't know you as their Savior. And I pray that you would bring them back to hear the rest of the story. God, your story of us and you 
It has a lot of twists and turns. But God, thank you. Thank you, Father, that you created us in your image. Thank you that you created everything around us. God, may we worship you as we look at creation, as we steward it well. In Jesus' name I pray.